Welcome to Keeping Up With Life, where we empower you with health, business and family life strategies for you to live your best days. I'm your host, Pippa Hansen. I'm the CEO, a mother of teenagers and have a passion to live an active and healthy life. Each episode contains practical tips and insights on how you can succeed in all aspects of your life, delivered to you in bite-sized pieces to implement straight away. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Injury Clinic, whose mission is to enhance the lives of its clients, staff, other professionals, and the greater community. Today we're joined by Melinda Braithwaite. Melinda's a dietitian, and her area of passion is paediatrics and gut health, and particularly when paediatrics are combined with gut health. So welcome, Melinda. Thank you, Pippa. Now, where I'd probably like to start, because I'd say it crosses over both, tell us about what gut health is. What does it actually mean? Because it does appear a bit of a buzzword at the moment. Yeah. So gut health, when we're looking at gut health, we're looking at basically our whole digestive system. So how food goes in through our mouth, down through our esophagus, into our stomach, through our small intestine, where all that, a lot of our nutrient absorption happens. And then through our large intestine and basically out through the other end. So it's looking at basically how we absorb our food and what happens obviously with the food inside our gut. Um, so it entails a whole wide variety of obviously issues that can go on in the gut as well. Okay, so what are the what are the things to look out for for an unhealthy gut? Yep. So in particular, we're looking at um, signs such as bloating, wind, constipation, diarrhea. Um, in particular, even indigestion, nausea. And then we also have other signs that can be reflected through our gut, such as eczema, um, sinus issues, and we can get things like migraines as well. So it covers quite a lot, doesn't it? So no wonder people get confused about Mm. where to start when they have some of these symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what about the healthy gut then? How Do we actually know that we've got a healthy gut or is that just a positive that we have none of those symptoms? Yeah, so more, again, healthy gut just means we've got good energy. Again, things are going through us as to expect us. So nice, healthy bowel action. So, again, ideally bowel actions every one to two days. Again, nice, soft, easy to pass stools, not excessive wind. Again, not experiencing anything like stomach pain. So just in general feeling good in in terms of your stomach and your digestion. So, yeah. yeah, not having any of those kind of uncomfortable signs. So at what point does someone see a dietitian if they've got some of these other symptoms? Do you feel like they end up, you know, they've tried three or four things before yeah. they see a dietitian? Yeah, so normally quite often I see families or individuals who have tried numerous things and may have tried cutting out different foods but still not quite feeling right. So my advice is always if you feel like something's not right but you are struggling with excessive bloating or wind or you're having abnormal bowel habits and it's really impacting your quality of life and you're not able to go out or for your children if they're saying, oh, I don't want to go to school, I've got a tummy ache, that's when really I'd recommend seeing a dietitian for some more support. Yeah, and I think people just start to eliminate things on their own, don't they? It's the let's take out the gluten or let's take out the dairy and all of a sudden they're drinking different types Mm. of milk and lactose-free. What can the side effects of that be? So the number one obviously would be in terms of nutritional deficiency. So in particular, I say a lot cutting out obviously dairy. So then we're looking at in particular for children concerns around calcium. Um, Again, often we see gluten being excluded. So again, things like fibre can be impacted with B group vitamins, magnesium, which all can have a role negatively on gut health as well as energy levels. Um, So yeah, obviously we just really don't want to be excluding unless absolutely necessary. And we just want to make sure again, that we're getting what we need. Again, if we are cutting out things like fiber, 
a lot of those foods do help feed our good gut bugs. So we don't really want to be excluding them if we can help it. Yeah, because even I suppose people that put on weight will often cut out or appear that they're Mm. putting on weight will often cut out things like your rice and your pasta and your bread and so that covers off on what you've just said. It leaves them with not necessarily the right nutrition. Yeah, and obviously, again, we just want to make sure in terms of the fibre and the grains, which I think is probably the number one that I see go quite quickly, is it does have that negative impact on your gut bacteria, which obviously is defeating what you're trying to achieve or getting better gut health. So is there a main difference with adults and kids or are the symptoms fairly much the same? Um, In terms of more the IBS where you see like the bloating and the constipation, diarrhea, very similar. But then in terms of babies, we can get more signs in particular. One of the most common I see in practice is your cow's milk protein allergy, which prior used to always be called a cow's milk protein intolerance, but more research has now diagnosed as more your cow's milk protein allergy. And there we'll tend to see more symptoms like mucus in the stools, a bit of blood in the stools, just very unhappy, unsettled babies. So that's probably the main difference. The babies tend to go more of a severe blood in stools and um, mucus. That would be frightening for parents if they've never seen that before. So, yeah, very frightening. Yeah, and the IBS is that irritable bowel bowel syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. So explain what that is for those that don't know. Yeah, so it's considered a functional bowel disorder. So that means basically when you go and do all the tests, your gut still comes back normal, so there's no physical abnormalities, but it's just not functioning as it should. So the main symptoms with irritable bowel syndrome is abdominal pain, bloating. Again, the abnormal bowels, we can see people just have constipation, diarrhea, or a mix. Quite often it is a mix, and we can also see excessive wind. Unfortunately, though, as I said, because it is a functional bowel disorder, there's no physical tests, all the tests will come back normal. So it's really a process of eliminating all other medical causes and then being left with a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome. So where do you start then if you're eliminating things? Um, You you know, you've said don't just start eliminating things, but where do Mm. you start? What's the, and I know that's not going to be the one rule for everyone. So it's basically I go through a very comprehensive dietary assessment, also go through patterns of when do the symptoms start, the severity, what are your exact symptoms or what are your child's symptoms. Again, that can help with looking at what potentially could be causing it. For instance, certain signs may make me suspect potentially celiac disease. Or for something like irritable bowel, we might have seen like a um, gastro bug prior. So it's looking at that and then going through the diet and looking at whether I can pinpoint specific triggers again it can be really hard if you're trying to do it yourself to identify the triggers because you know a lot of reactions are in terms of food intolerance side delayed um, but again sitting with a dietitian we have that expertise to know which foods are the most likely culprits and also be able to look more individually in foods and go okay could it be this component of the food rather than it's not necessarily the actual food reacting to but the chemical components in the food. So mixing certain foods together, is that what you mean by that? Yeah, or for instance, something like um, cow's milk. It could be the cow's milk protein or it could be the lactose. So it's, again, sitting down with a dietitian and we try and more pinpoint what it is in that particular food that you could be reacting to. But then generally we can see that could then correspond with other foods as well. Yeah. So, for instance, something like FODMAPs where we see, say, fructose that will be in different foods so if you say i'm reacting to say honey and i'm reacting to um so apples we go okay that's a common factor is say the fructose in that food yeah okay 
Yeah. So there is a real science behind it, isn't there? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a real process of elimination. Again, what we do is then go choose one path and, again, certain um, reactions will correlate with certain symptoms. So we'll go, okay, if you're experiencing more gut, we may go down more a FODMAP pathway, whereas if we're seeing other signs such as headaches and migraines, we may look at more of the role of food chemicals. Yeah, okay. And interesting what you said about if someone's had a gastro because they mm. can recover or, you know, the, yeah. the gastro disappears but then it mm. has really left an unsettled yes. or unhealthy gut. Mm. And we see that quite often with children as well, in particular temporary lactose intolerance. So basically when you get the gastro, it obviously irritates and inflames the gut and we can lose some of those um, obviously absorptive capacities. So our lactase, which breaks down the lactose, that can temporarily um, be basically wiped out with the gastro bug. So it can take then time to recover that. Um, so yes, it's just really important to work out what was the underlying cause. Because if it's something like gastro, once we repair the gut, then we can see those foods be added back in without a problem. So how do you feel about or work with um, vitamins and probiotics and things like that when you're talking about gut health? Yeah, so I guess probiotics is a very big area and I think prebiotics is coming into it now as well. Um, So I guess it's just looking at the evidence behind um, the probiotics. Obviously, it is still an emerging area and we know there's certain strains that will help with certain conditions. So it's just making sure, again, that we match the right probiotic strains with the right conditions. Again, also looking at whether there is enough evidence to use the probiotics as well. And yeah. again, then looking at a diet first strategy of do we have probiotic rich foods in there? And then do we have the prebiotic foods which are going to help then nourish the probiotics or the good bacteria? Yeah. So there's also, I've heard things about that our um, soil isn't as healthy anymore and we don't mm. necessarily have all those nutrients to be as healthy as you know mm. what you're talking about. What's your view on that? Again, I always go, again, through obviously processing, we do see changes, obviously, in the nutritional level of certain foods. I just take it, obviously, a natural approach first and trying to eat as least processed foods as possible. Obviously, we know we can't always eat all unprocessed foods, but my first number one tip would be trying to eat as less processed as possible. Yeah, which keeps the um, nutritional value. So, yeah. And not adding, did you have an, and I don't mind if you do yeah. have a view or a different view mm. on adding other vitamins In terms, or multivitamins or yeah, depend, do people need it, do kids need it? Would, again, it is, a, again, an individual approach. Obviously, some children in particular, if we are having to take a very restrictive diet, will generally need a multivitamin. But again, it's also looking at what multivitamin is right for that child or that individual because they're not all created equal. And then we do see some multivitamins will have additives in there as well. So it's just checking again that we've got the best um, multivitamin if we do need one. Mm. And you're not picking one that's that's got something that they're already (laughs) reacting to. Yes, I'm finding that a lot in terms of working in allergies of how hard it is to find um, supplements and even medications don't necessarily have to list all their active ingredients or their minor ingredients. So actually list their active but not the minor. So yeah, it is really making sure you are getting a suitable product. So the allergies, you mentioned that a couple of times mm-hmm. that the gut health can, you know, come up with eczema yeah. and, and headaches and things. So talk to us about the allergy side of gut health. Yeah. So we've got um, what's known as a whole group of gut um, related food allergies. So often 
we think of gut in particular for more of the adults we think of the irritable bowel but in children we do see a lot of gut related food allergies so things like your proctocolitis which presents with the babies with the blood in the stools and in particular cow's milk protein and soy is often the two main triggers um, and then we see in particular f pies in babies again which where they present with profuse vomiting um, again we've got eosinophilic esophagitis which again can impact swallowing um so yes there's numerous different gut related allergies that fall into it and then i think we've also then got to differentiate is it an allergy or is it an intolerance but again often the science will obviously help us work out which what it is and so what's the main difference i suppose between an allergy and an intolerance then yep. so in terms of the allergies it's immune system triggered um, whereas intolerance it's, it's not an immune reaction it's more a digestive reaction however we can see in the allergies as well whilst it's triggered by the immune system it can then impact the gut as well so is it you know someone presents to you mm-hmm. Is there, do you feel like every person you see is the same and you're just like, oh, yeah, you're this, so I'll do this? Or how, how do your days look or how do other dietitians' days look? Yeah, so it is always very varied. And, again, always it's not straight forward. So I had a toddler, I think a couple of weeks ago, present with chronic diarrhoea. She'd had it since a baby, but no one had ever been up to pick up what it was. So I went back to, okay, if a science first started as a baby, what could it have been? as a baby and we actually went back and I worked out it suspected it was cow's milk protein so we ended up doing an elimination and five days later the mum emailed me and said she couldn't believe it but her baby or now toddler had had her first firm poo basically ever wow and it was going back to going what well, okay she hadn't started solids what potentially and knowing obviously what um foods are most common in that baby group and then lining up with the diarrhea we were able to pinpoint what it was yeah okay <laughs> so yeah, it was a little bit of a win again obviously having had it since a baby now being toddler but it was that process of elimination of what could have actually caused it initially yeah and obviously going on that long it's as you've um, previously said then all the nutrient loss that this yeah. poor child's having yeah so do you know what was it affecting this child in terms of behaviour and sleep and moods and... Yes, yeah, so in particular mood um, and just being very unsettled. And obviously with this mum in particular, she was concerned of obviously toilet training as well because we had excess diarrhoea, so it's very hard to toilet train a toddler if they are having these urgent loose poos. So people often think that, um, you know, you see a dietitian, Mm. you eliminate a couple of things, but when you've just described that, situation mm. that child it really has a major impact on their life doesn't it not just yeah. the child but the parent yeah. and then are they ready for kinder or are they yeah. ready for school yeah. or and I think in particular with that very early age group it's the mums in particular I say a lot of the breastfeeding mums too and it impacts the whole family and again in particular with more of the allergies even the smallest amount can trigger a reaction whereas intolerances you do tend to have a threshold so it's also about understanding and the impact on being able to go out and other people providing foods and I constantly hear with childcare centres and there being accidental slip-ups. So it can be really obviously an overwhelming time for parents and obviously if you've got a baby too that won't sleep, so you've obviously lack of sleep. You'd, um, so again, and then you're concerned because obviously we know best growth is so important those first mm. years of life. So you've got that worry about, okay, they're not getting what they need, they're not growing. Um, and then again, potentially if you haven't started solids and you're worried of starting solids and 
obviously produce putting in more foods which could irritate the gut. So, yeah, it is quite a complex and very overwhelming time for parents. And sometimes these kids can't actually explain how yes. they feel, can they, to yeah. talk about the age group that you're dealing yeah. with? So, yeah, it is, again, and with babies you've got to go, well, what is actually normal baby behaviour? Babies do get upset and they cry a lot, but what is actually abnormal yeah or children that say they've got a tummy ache and yeah. you just you know that they just want don't want to go to school that day yes so, yeah, yeah and that's <laughs> another one it is really hard and again quite often we can see the anxiety also triggered in for gut symptoms as well so is it for kids is that they're just an anxious child and then it's displaying in terms of i've got a sore tummy or is actually something going on mm. great um, and what about allergies? Is it an allergy in terms of your eczema and asthma? Are they yeah, all related to so high fever? Yeah, yeah. the hay fever, they're all considered atopic or allergic conditions. Obviously, we can see some that aren't allergy triggered, but obviously, we do, there are groups of the, the hay fever, the asthma, the eczema, all in the allergy group. Um, though it does get confusing, we can still see eczema and asthma also pop up with food intolerances. So, there is crossover in those symptoms, but, yeah, we definitely do need to consider whether that is more from an allergic reaction. And is that the same process or is there a different way that you do that? Yeah, it's different. So obviously in terms of allergies, that is triggered by an immune system reaction, whereas in terms of food intolerance, if, for instance, a child eats a food with a certain food chemical, that may just more how their body digests it and it then results in that skin reaction. Okay. Lots for you to be getting yeah. through in a uh, consultation. Yeah. Um, so what else can you tell us about gut health and and obviously we've talked lots about children. Is it much mm. different in for adults that you're seeing? And Yeah, so I guess in terms of it does present differently. Obviously we may have the same similar symptoms as I mentioned before with the irritable bowel syndrome, some abdominal pain, the crampings, the abnormal bowel actions but then we tend to more see again differences in um, how it's impacting their life and obviously as adults we're obviously able to have better understanding of what's going on inside of our own bodies so again it is we do obviously it is a different process Um, and again in terms of differences obviously children were really worried of their growth whereas adults it's more just checking they're still getting a nutritionally balanced diet but we again it's probably not as risky to start doing some eliminations, whereas with a child we have to be in particular very careful with cutting out foods. So I've heard of um, the food withdrawal, you know, not withdrawal, but mm. it's taking certain foods out. How long does that process take? Yep. So in terms of when we start the elimination, obviously it depends on the type of reactions, but for something like FODMAPs we normally will see improvements within a week if we eliminate all the foods again some people will take up to the four week mark with um, intolerances to food chemicals again we can actually see symptoms worsen as actually the um, food chemicals start to leave the body and then you'll start to improve so you get a temporary worsening of symptoms before it improves Um, but normally with most elimination diets we're looking at trialing something like that it is a period of two to six weeks Um, again it will depend on individual circumstances but the most important thing is if we're taking foods out then we do follow that up with challenges so when you eliminate do you do one food at a time or one food group how do you know which is actually Mm, it depends on what i suspect it is so again if it's something like um 
FODMAPs, which if you haven't heard of FODMAPs, it stands for fermented oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyacetic group of short-chain carbohydrates or sugars, which we poorly absorb. So in terms of them, we remove quite a number of foods, um, whereas if it's something we suspect like a gut-related food allergy, we may just in particular remove something like dairy or soy. So it might be just one or two. Yeah, okay. Um, foods we use so yeah definitely it will depend on what we suspect is causing the reactions yeah and when you talked about that someone may get worse before they get better Mm. what's actually happening then why does that happen so it's just basically the body kind of oh it's almost like a detox i don't like really using that word but it is basically just the body clearing it out it's like when for a lot of adults probably relate to if they stop coffee all of a sudden you'll get not sleep you'll get headaches so it is just the body adjusting to removal of the chemicals okay so does that sometimes make people want to have more of what you've removed? And Yeah, and obviously sometimes anything, oh, it's not working, so I'm just going to keep eating these foods. So it's just reassurance that, yes, it may get worse before it gets better. But in particular, that's more when we're looking at the natural food chemicals and food additives in foods. Um, more if it's allergies, we'll tend to just eat get better once we remove the foods and same thing with if it's something like the irritable bowel and the FODMAPs, we'll see that generally just get better, not yeah. get worse. I suppose as long as people are expecting it, yes. you're sort of pre-setting yeah. her up to go, you are going to feel much worse yes. than when you walked in here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll feel better. Yes. <laughs> so what are some takeaways today then? You know, if we've got um, adults with their own symptoms or adults that have got young children, what are they looking out for to have their optimal health? Yep. So the main thing I always say is we've got to explore the basics first. So again, with good gut health, we know it's important to have enough fluid, get enough fibre in the diet, have some prebiotics, which are going to help obviously feed our good gut bugs, getting some probiotics in there, making sure stress is well controlled more so for the adults, obviously making sure sleep is obviously prioritised, making sure we sit down in our busy lives and stop and chew our food, not eating on the run. So I think it's really important to explore the basics and then again, if you're still having symptoms and you just feel your gut's not functioning as it should, then seeing a dietitian also Again, we can give you advice on what tests may be done to just rule out that there's nothing more serious going on. And I think, as you said, if you know if you know the, the good things that we should have, like the sleep and minimise, mm. all the things that you can control yeah. um, and the symptoms are still there, then mm. it's all about getting the diagnosis yeah. and being able to work mm. with it. Because yeah. clearly you go downhill quite quickly if you're mm. nutritionally deficient yeah. and not sleeping and yeah. using caffeine and lots yeah. of stress. Yeah. <laughs> Just a recipe for a great yes. life. And we know, again, <laughs> with the stress as well, the gut and the brain, we know there's a really strong connection now. So, again, it's really important that we do take that whole holistic approach and considering everything and all those different lifestyle factors as well as diet because they all do have a role on gut health. And so that's an adult looking, you know, out for their things. What's What are the main takeaways for parents to look out for in their kids? I think the main one is just getting that diagnosis and getting the support. Again, we really don't want to be cutting out foods in babies and children unless we absolutely have to. Um, so I just think it's really important that you do see someone before you just start trying to work out what it is yourself. And, again, you'll drive yourself probably crazy trying to pinpoint 
what it is. And I will find most parents will come to me after trying a few things and go, this is just, I just can't keep going. I just don't know what's going on. Yeah. I think there's so much information out there and so many people experience Mm. different things that, you know. Yeah. And I think unfortunately in terms of with social media and the internet, there's so much information out there that it can be really overwhelming and you'll try so many things, but oh, this worked for this person's baby or child. So I'll try. So yeah, it's really just important that you do get that I guess, evidence-based support. And again, with children and babies, we just want to make sure we're not cutting out foods unnecessarily. We want to make sure they've got what they need to obviously support them in their growing years. Yeah, and is and for kids and adults, if they're experiencing any of the things you've talked about, like the bloating and the diarrhoea or um, the headaches, you don't mm-hmm. want people get used to living with those yeah. things, but they don't need to. No. And I think, again, if it's really stopping you being able to go out, if you're not able to go to work or you're avoiding social situations, that's when it's really t- time to seek help. Because again, you don't have to live with these symptoms. And we know in particular with irritable bowel, we get really good symptom um, resolution when we do obviously improve the diet. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much, Melinda. Your information today has been fantastic and I hope we can help some more people out there that weren't aware what dietitians do. Thank you, Pippa. If you have a topic you would like covered, get in touch via our socials. The contact details can be found in the episode notes. If you have loved listening today and are looking forward to future episodes, please subscribe, rate our show, share our podcast with your friends, work colleagues and families. So for now, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today and see you next week.